The backpack strap moved. He was sure of it. Everyone else on the paranormal investigation who had gathered in the abandoned surgical room was focused on the investigator on the table, working to get a tripwire to attract an unseen spirit. But some unseen force seemed to be drawn to a team member's backpack sitting on a nearby table. When he reviewed his video footage later, it confirmed exactly what he saw. The strap moved on its own. When a fellow team member showed video from the same time, but at a different angle, it showed that the strap not only lifted, but it was tugged, as if something was trying to pull it off the table. Crescent Sanatorium has a reputation for being haunted, and that event, among several other things he witnessed during his investigation, proved the point for Barry Merwin of Unfortunate Travels. I'm Steve Blanchard. Welcome to Phantom History. The story of Crescent Tuberculosis Sanatorium and Prison begins with a very unexpected name, Andrew Carnegie. The steel tycoon and philanthropist donated the land in rural Pennsylvania upon which the massive sanatorium was constructed between the years of 1910 and 1916. It was believed that the fresh air and the remoteness of the location were part of the cure for the lung disease that claimed 46 out of every 100,000 individuals infected. The buildings, which still stand today, are cut from sandstone and include crests of Scottish clans and gargoyles on the tower. It was a place of hope for many in the northeast United States who contracted tuberculosis. However, not everyone was fortunate enough to return to their home. After vaccines and treatments were perfected, the building transitioned into a mental institution and then, in 1983, it became a state prison that operated until 2013. All three of those iterations, according to Barry Merwin of Unfortunate Travels, culminate into a high level of spiritual activity throughout the entire complex. You look at all three of those situations and just knowing the kind of agony and suffering that probably went across those grounds um, for, gosh, 100 years. And there's a lot to be left. Out of, I believe... 27 buildings, uh, 15 of them are, are known to be haunted. I like to get there earlier because I do like to get, you know, my static footage. I really want to try to portray the beauty of the place as well as the investigation at night because as dilapidated as these places are, there's just a certain level of beauty behind all of it. While Barry admits he was only able to explore a handful of the many buildings at the Crescent Sanatorium complex, his two-day investigation there proved to him that there are still plenty of spirits wandering throughout. He and his friends at POV Paranormal investigated together, which helped validate one of the most impressive pieces of paranormal footage of their trip there. When I was with POV Paranormal, uh, we had gone into the hospital portion of it and we were actually in uh, what would have been like an OBGYN, like the, the way it was set up, the chair was, had the stirrups and everything. And I was the first one into that room and I actually had set up a REM pod uh, with a fresh battery and that thing started going ballistic. So they came in after the fact and I had it sitting on, on that, that stool or that chair uh, with the stirrups. 
So we had a woman with us and she climbed up in there and I had a trip wire and trip wire is just pretty much uh, like a K2 meter on a bunch of different nodes. So it measures the electromagnetic fields, but I laid that, draped that across her and the light that kept going off was right by her groin. So we were pretty intrigued by that and, and trying to communicate with whatever it was. Like with so many investigations, one of the most intriguing pieces of evidence collected that night happened away from where most of the team was focused. Barry said that he saw and caught on camera an unseen force trying to manipulate a nearby backpack. She had a backpack that she had set on a table right next to her. And as I was standing and filming her, I saw the bag move. So after reviewing the footage later on and I zoomed in on it, you could see the strap get pulled. Um, now, we were lucky enough actually that POV Paranormal uh, had a different angle of the backpack and you can actually see it get lifted up, set back down and then pulled to the side. The backpack incident seemed to be a catalyst for more activity from whoever or whatever still lingers at Crescent. It was in the same building inside a former x-ray room that the team heard strange noises and then caught what they say is an apparition on camera during a live broadcast. We could hear what sounded like people talking, so we kind of went silent and you heard just two big steps outside of the room. And I went out to try to investigate, make sure nobody was coming in there, um, and obviously didn't find anybody. Uh, but later on uh, that night, we caught on camera what looked like uh, a figure actually walking across in front of this window. And I was live at the time, so somebody actually took a still shot of that. And we were matching it up with one of our team members. And it looks like there is an old man in a nightgown that was coming across the hall to another room that we captured. Could it be that the residual energy of former medical staff are still present at Crescent? The footage caught by the team were from inside what used to be a medical facility after all. Barry thinks that's possible, but he also knows that a building with so much history likely has other stories and secrets to share. According to him, there are even spirits and energies in buildings that didn't necessarily house former patients or inmates of the institution. That evidence was so pronounced that he was sure that someone not affiliated with the investigation or the investigating groups had broken into the property. The first night we were there, though, it was really foggy. Like it was it was kind of out of a horror movie foggy. And the big admin building, which is the biggest building on this property, um, I turned and I said, there's a light on in that building. And we're looking and you can see what looks like a ball of light. And we started watching it actually going window to window. So we thought somebody actually broke in while we were there. So we took off to that building and we swept it from top to bottom and we couldn't find it. Uh, but this thing, it moves so fast. And you're talking about going between walls to get to new windows. We saw this ball of light just floating there. So it, it was it was wild. Uh, but it, it is like when you look up Crescent, like it is the main building that they show. The complex of buildings that make up the former tuberculosis sanatorium covers nearly 400 acres. Multiple buildings served multiple purposes over its lifetime, and Barry said that it would take time and a large number of investigations to cover the property thoroughly. 
The mix of spirits there are likely residual, but some intelligent spirits are possibly still present as well, he believes. I think you you have uh, former patients. I think there are said to be some employees still roaming around there, but you also have uh, inmates. And I know that the building that we were in when that happened, I believe was also used to treat inmates of the prison uh, that came through there. And with the interaction that our, our female investigator was getting, the, the a lot more attention from it, uh, we started kind of narrowing down that we think we were dealing with an inmate that it was pretty aggressive. Even having the, the we had the obelisk running, uh, it said something on the lines of like them them leaving, wanting the guys in this room to leave and leave her, her there. Um, she obviously didn't want that, but uh, yeah, it was it was it was trippy. But it wasn't only the female investigator who appeared to be singled out during the investigation. Barry and the group spent time in a tunnel connecting some of the buildings, which were once used to move patients and staff between facilities during inclement weather. The dark tunnels, Barry said, put him on edge, which is something that rarely happens to the seasoned investigator. Anytime you're walking through there, I I constantly felt like I was being followed and I I don't get on edge like that. So I was kind of, my head was on a swivel the whole time. When I was down in the tunnels, uh, there's tunnels that run underneath, uh, stretches quite a ways. You, you just, I felt like something was rushing up on me the whole time. Again, and this is when we were all together down in the tunnels, uh, we had actually knocked on a pipe trying to get it to knock back. And we got a, we got a loud boom come across that pipe. And it was right after that, that we had turned to start walking down a ways. And we kind of came to a stop and something like you could hear it rushing up on us. The, it was like right across the cement. Um, we all reacted. I almost, I almost took, <laughs> I almost took uh, two of their team members out. <laughs> I, I've never tried to run so fast in my life. Not too far from the tunnels is an old graveyard, which many of the early victims of tuberculosis are buried. It's also suspected that some inmates are laid to rest there as well, possibly in unmarked graves. As with so many investigations, it's hard to say exactly who the entities encountered at Cresham Sanatorium are, or were, in life. But whoever or whatever it was at the former prison and hospital seemed to have a specific interest in Barry. In the prison, we, we went in there as a group, but for some reason, all of the interaction we were getting, uh, whether it be on the equipment or, or through the obelisk, it was kind of calling me out. Actually, I, I have handcuffs and, and all that for different experiments, uh, but it was me and one of their team members that had actually gone in the separate uh, wings of, of this prison, and we both went and got locked up in these cells. And we had different equipment in front of us, and during that time, we were running an ESTA session as well. So as uh, their lead investigator was asking uh, questions and their female investigator was answering, it kept pointing towards me. They kept kind of talking about me. Uh, so as that was happening too, I had equipment, REM pod in front of me is going off and it kind of left us with, with that in the end. And, and I knew that I had to sit there and, and try to get through it. And I, I don't know why, but um, I actually, at the end, when we finished up, I said, why don't you guys head out and I'm going to sit here. And and I sat in the darkness and it was 
right at that time when they had left, I started hearing what sounded like walking, coming. So I, I'm kind of in a corner and there's a doorway to my right. There's another doorway behind me off to my left. And it kept sounding like something was coming down both of those corridors heading towards me. At that time too, I have my, my night vision camera running with a full battery and I started seeing the battery draining really fast. And then my light on my camera started flickering. And I knew at that time, I said, you're trying to take this power away and leave me in the dark and I'm not having it. So it's time to pack up and move. Barry and the POV paranormal team probably encountered five to seven entities while investigating Crescent Sanatorium. The two day investigation admittedly led to more questions than answers for Barry. And he hopes to return again to continue his work. There's two uh, prison buildings, I guess, on the on the property with all the cells, uh, the walkway, the whole deal. Um, you got the prison or the guard post right in the center of it all with all the windows and, and all that's really intact and, and still in good shape. Um, the, the hospital rooms or the hospital area, uh, like I said, they still got some of the, the old beds in there. Um, they have the, the x-ray machine still sitting in there. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of it is still showing signs of what it was. You know, it wasn't hard for us to figure out kind of what kind of building we were in when we were going through it. You kind of get that feeling like a Chernobyl, you know, Chernobyl. You, you feel like you kind of went into to this war zone or something that just nobody exists. Um, you know, the owner of the place just kind of shook our hands and said, have fun and left. I mean, we were the only ones on that property uh, both nights. I know when uh, when we were going live for a portion of, of it, uh, we, we have a lot of paranormal friends out there and, and theirs perked right up and they were all into it. So uh, they're interested in going. So we're talking about trying to do another two days and getting a few more people out there to, to hopefully cover more ground and get more people to have experiences within some of the buildings that we didn't get to. Uh, there's a lot of places there that I plan on revisiting though, uh, just for the experience that I had. I like to try to see if something recreates or or if it you know that same spirit or entity seems to be roaming that same area uh just to see if we can get the same interaction crescent's multiple lives as a hospital institution and prison seems to offer a varied range of experiences for paranormal investigators and teams it was the home to ill children and adults those with developmental disabilities and prisoners, ranging from those who were charged with disturbing the peace to hardened criminals like murderers. Those combined energies, Barry believes, will continue to pique investigators' interest for a long time. You have a lot of different situations that happen. You can have a sudden death, um, agonizing death. Uh, you can have, in, in my opinion, uh, you know, if you're dealing with like a state institution or, or mental illness or something like that, you can also have confusion after death. And, and I really believe that there's a lot of different situations um, when death comes, they can actually cause somebody to still be here roaming, um, you know, whether it be being scared of, of crossing over, uh, being confused about how to cross over, um, maybe being so angry and spiteful that you refuse to cross over. Um, I, I really think that you probably run into a lot of that, especially when you're dealing with a location that pretty much had every type of personality um, and event that there could have been, you know, on those grounds. 
Thank you to Barry Merwin of Unfortunate Travels for sharing his experiences of the Crescent Sanatorium in prison. To learn more about the facility, visit their website at crescentsanatorium.com. You can also connect with Barry on all social media platforms under the name Unfortunate Travels. Remember, you can hear the full interview with Barry on my sister podcast, Conjuring Phantom History, as well as on the Phantom History House YouTube channel. Music from this episode is provided by Silverman Sound, Chad Couch, and Purple Planet Music. Follow Phantom History and Phantom History House, a bed and breakfast experience in Tampa, Florida, on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. You can also find episodes and more information at phantomhistory.com. And as always, thanks for listening.